Hi, this is Pastor Nelson Mercado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast from the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. I hope you are blessed by today's message. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, we are so thankful for, indeed, the countless blessings we've received from you. This is why we're here to worship you. And now you have a word for us, and we pray that you will help us to apply these words to our lives, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share with you a testimony, a young lady, uh, lessons that she learned in her life, and she shared that in an article, and I want to share this with you. She starts by saying, I am an ungrateful person. You could throw stones at me or pull me over for a pep talk and tell me why I should complete the five-minute journal every day. I would still be an ungrateful person. There's no reason to smile at the sky. There's no reason to be happy at the sight of people dancing in the streets. Life sucks. I'm stuck at a job I hate. I have been stuck with an illness for the last nine years, which has absolutely no cure. I am single and do not feel like mingling. Do not preach at me about being grateful and how I need to see the beauty in everything. I know the lines. I've said them before to myself, to friends, and to enemies. It's hard to be grateful, be thankful for each day, to see the sun in the morning and not complain. To see the stars and not wish for daylight. To not snap at drivers who cross me on the road. Maybe that one's uh, more realistic for some of you who drive, right? And maybe you could add a few more to that list of why why we we need to be ungrateful. There's nothing to be thankful for. And, you know, many people will say that. You know, I got plenty of reasons to complain. Plenty of reasons to be unthankful. Just look at the last two years almost that we have been facing. In his book, A Handbook for Constructive Living, uh, psychologist David Reynolds talks about gratitude, and this is what he says. Gratitude is a natural response to taking a realistic look at the world, including our place in it. We aren't realistic enough to gain the benefits of gratitude often. Gratitude and neurotic suffering, he says, seems to be antagonistic. Neurotics, he explains, are self-centered. In contrast, gratitude is other-centered. It carries with it the desire to serve others in repayment, even if it causes inconvenience to oneself. And And he finishes by saying that there seems to be little in the way of gratitude these days, yet neurotic self-centeredness seems to be prevalent. In other words, it seems that ingratitude is prevalent in our society. People that are unthankful, that seems to be the prevalent attitude in our society. And there may be reasons for that, or a number of reasons you could give. But if I were to venture a guess, I would submit that one of the reasons, if not the main reason, why people are ungrateful is because we often forget too easily. We forget about the hand that feeds us. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 103. That's where our study will be today. Psalm 103. This psalm has been attributed to David. Some of you know that not every psalm was written by David, but this one was attributed to David and is aptly titled, 
Praise for the Lord's mercy. So Psalm 103, and we'll start in verse 1, reading from the New King James Version. Psalm 103 and verse 1. David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. This is something we should be able to say. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, this word bless, you know, as we, we use the word bless often as Christians. We say, you know, God bless you. Uh, somebody sneezes and you say, God bless you. Somebody, you know, you write, you write an email or a text and you end it by, by writing blessings, right? And, you know, we, we sort of define a, a blessing as, as good fortune or good luck. You may ask me, Pastor, how are you doing? And I say, I'm blessed. You know, we say that as a saying, well, I'm okay, I'm good. I'm blessed, right? But, you know, and there's room for this, obviously. But the word that David uses for bless here is a Hebrew barak. And, and this word means to uh, adore on bended knee. To adore on bended knee. So notice, when, when David says, bless the Lord, oh my soul, this is actually an act of worship. He is performing an act of worship. Now, it reflects other, other shades of meaning. When God blesses a person, it means that God, for example, has endowed that person with gifts. When a, per, when a man or a person blesses God, it means that, that, that this person has knowledge of God as the dispenser of these gifts. In other words, the good things come from God. But I, I, I would imagine in the context of this, this psalm, I imagine David kneeling to worship God. This is an act of worship. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He is worshiping God with his whole being. Notice he says, and all that is within me. There is nothing holding him back. All, we should not bless a little bit. We should adore and worship God with all our might. With all our soul, not holding anything back. This is how David is doing it. He's not holding anything back. By blessing God, he is acknowledging God as God. There is no other God but the God that created heaven and earth. God is sovereign. There is nobody like Jehovah. Nobody like him. And we worship him. And it's important that we acknowledge this. I wonder when was the last time you blessed God? Because often we ask God to bless us, Right? Have you blessed God as an act of worship because of who he is? Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. God deserves it, doesn't he? Verse 2, he continues saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now here is, I believe, where the main problem is, because we forget. We forget. There, there's no accident why God, of course, David is the one inspiring God here. He says, don't forget the benefits of God. Why does he say don't forget? Because he knows we won't. He will forget. And, you know, we see this topic throughout the whole scripture. In fact, next week's lesson, Sabbath school lesson, is about that very thing, not forgetting. Sabbath commandment says, remember the Sabbath day. Why did he say remember? Because he knew we would forget. God doesn't want us to forget. I must acknowledge that I am a very forgetful person. Just ask my wife. Uh, what's your name again? <laughs> Lucy, I remember now. You know, 
Some people, some people remember things, right? They, they, they remember things for years. So you're having an argument with your wife, and she brings something that's 20 years old. She remembers. I can't remember. I forget. Some people have that gift, right? That gift of remembering. I've shared with you, my, uh, um, I mentioned my friend Kenzel. Uh, he's my, I consider him my best friend. He, he, you know, he was my partner when I was a paramedic. And, and uh, you know, we've known each other for over 20 years. I've been gone for 13. And when we have conversations, sometimes we reminisce. And he still remembers addresses and people's names and the situation when, you know, they call 911 for. He remembers all that. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm very forgetful. But, you know, again, I guess that's something that we all deal with, being very forgetful. It's frustrating at times. So perhaps David says this because, you know, again, he counsels us not to forget God's blessings because we knew, he knew, God knew, we would forget. And, you know, I would say that maybe sometimes we forget God's blessings because we, maybe we don't want to remember them. Because we don't want to give him the credit. Maybe oftentimes we look at other sources for our blessings instead of acknowledging him. And we forget. It was on March 30th, 1863, right in the middle of the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln writes that we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and, and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom or virtue of our own. Our own prosperity as a nation has caused us to forget the Lord. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. Our friends, I wish all politicians today talked like that. Acknowledge that. And maybe, maybe we're going through these, uh, these pains in our country because we have forgotten about God. That very reason. Because God needs us to remember. Someone once said that an ungrateful man is a, like a hog under a tree eating acorns and never looking up to see where they come from. Yeah. In the book Life Sketches, page 196, Ellen White writes, and some of you are familiar with this passage. She says, we have nothing to fear for the future except that we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and his teaching in our past history. Nothing to fear unless you forget. Yeah? We can't forget the benefits of God. Amen? But maybe you ask, well, Pastor, what are the benefits? What are the benefits that you're talking about that I should not forget? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. There's five things that I want to share with you today here from Psalm 103 that, we, that are the benefits that we receive from God that we should not forget. That we should not forget. But let's look at the first one, verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities. Right? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. The first one, he forgives all your iniquities. Now, of course, we know that you know, by accepting Christ, our, our sins are forgiven. We, we are this part of the gospel, right? But notice that David says, or what, doesn't, what David doesn't say, David doesn't say that the Lord forgives some of our iniquities. He says the Lord forgives all your iniquities, all of your iniquities, yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not sure about this, but it could be that David was struggling with this in his life, that David struggled with the sin in his life. Maybe he thought that there were certain things that God could not forgive. 
You remember the, the story of Bathsheba, for example, right? David committed adultery. He committed murder. And of course, we know that he writes Psalm 51 as a response to his experience. When he writes Psalm 51, he knows he's forgiven. But could it be that in that interlude of time, when Nathan told him about what he had done, and he realized that he was a murderer and an adulterer, maybe he thought, maybe this is it. I've crossed the line. God cannot forgive this. And maybe there are things in your life that you thought, well, I can't forgive this one. Sure, God can forgive the little things, but pastor, you don't know what I have done. You don't know the, 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 the evil, the wickedness that I have done in my life. You, I would be embarrassed if anybody knew about what I have done. But if he, God forgives all your iniquities. There is not something that God says, well, hold on, I can't forgive that one. No, God forgives them all. In fact, we remember that 1 John 1, 9 tells us what does it say? If we confess our sins, what is he is? He is faithful and just to what? To forgive us our sins and to do what? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The, the implication, obviously, if we've repented, right? So if you repented of your sins and you've confessed your sins, what does God do? He forgives it. It doesn't matter. Your sin will never be greater than the grace of God to forgive. The Lord forgives all your iniquities. That's benefit number one. This is one thing we ought not to forget. Don't forget the benefits. But now, this word iniquities, we often, of course, define it as sin. Iniquities is a sin. But, but the, the Hebrew also means a punishment. In other words, God does not punish us according to our sins. Now, that doesn't mean that, that uh, somehow he, he saves you from the consequences of sin. There's, there are consequences to sin, aren't there? You know, a drug addict, for example, you know, uses a dirty needle and injects himself and gets HIV. Well, that, that person uh, repents and confesses their sin, and God forgives him. But he may have to live with the HIV. In fact, he may die because of it, Right? The consequences, but you know, the, 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 the main consequence that I, I would say maybe David is talking about here is eternal death, right? And that consequence, God forgives. He will not punish us according to that. Because if you accepted Jesus Christ, you will rise up. You won't have to be there. You won't be punished with eternal death. So don't forget the Lord's benefits. Don't forget them. That's, for, that's benefit number one. Number two, the second one in verse three. Notice he says, who heals? All your diseases. How many diseases does he heal? All of them. Now, before I, I, I get it, we, we talk about the problem that this statement just makes, you know, that, that creates. Let us first notice that healing comes after forgiveness. Healing comes what? After forgiveness, right? You know, oftentimes... We need the spiritual healing before the physical one. You know? There, there, there often, there is often a connection, not always, but there's often a connection between our sin and what we're going through physically. When there is that connection that exists, then we must understand, we must uh, seek the forgiveness before the healing. In fact, I would submit to you that some people just want the, the, the forgiveness, even if they have to deal with the physical part. In fact, um, you may remember there was a story in, in the book of Matthew. Actually, all, all the Gospels have it. A paralytic 
There was this paralytic that you know, had friends, and the, uh, the reputation of Jesus was everywhere. Jesus was healing all kinds of diseases. So they go to this house. Jesus is there, and there's a crowd of people. They can't get in. Well, how are we going to get our friend there? So they, they thought about the idea. They go on the roof, and, and, and they make a hole on the roof. Then they lowered the paralytic right in front of Jesus. Yeah. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, then behold, they brought... To him, a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. Now remember, they, were brought, they, they brought him there to be healed, but the first thing that Jesus says is, Your sins are forgiven. Because Jesus knew what he needed. Jesus knew that he needed a peace that comes from forgiveness. Maybe there was, I would submit that there was probably a connection between what this man had done in his life and being paralyzed. But he needed that peace, and he, Jesus knew it. The sins are forgiven. Now, he does heal him. In verse 6, he heals him. But he forgave him first. Forgiveness comes before healing. And we, all, we already know that God forgives us all our iniquities. But now, we do know, as a matter of practical experience, that not all diseases are healed by God. You know, a part of a, you know, the job of a pastor and elders is that we do anointing services for the sick, right? There's a person sick, and this is the, following the, the counsel of James chapter 5. We do anointings, and, and, and anointings are not just for those who are on their deathbed. I mean, you can maybe have surgery or whatever the case, and we anoint you. But oftentimes when we do anointing, we're praying for healing. God will heal this person. I will tell you that sometimes, you know, it is a frustrating thing. You know, you go to the hospital, and maybe indeed in this case, the person is dying, and, and cancer is tearing this person apart, and we're there anointing and praying for healing, and the person still dies from their disease. Well, doesn't God heal all diseases? Well, the, the first thing we must understand and remember is that all genuine healing comes from God. All of it. Whenever there is a healing, it is because God did it, 100% of the time. All healing comes from God. Second, the Lord is able to heal all kinds of diseases. There is nothing impossible for the Lord. When, you know, you, you're not going to catch something and the Lord's going to say, I've never seen that before, Erica. I don't know what to tell you. I can't do anything about it. I don't find it in my medical book. No. There is nothing impossible for God. He can heal all kinds of disease. It doesn't matter what you're going through. He can heal it. The third is that the Lord oftentimes, he can use natural means. He can use medical science to provide the healing. And that may take some time. But he does that. And of course, fourth, we already alluded to when Jesus was here on earth, he, he healed all kinds of diseases. He did that. All right? So the point here is that whatever the case may be, whenever there is a believer is healed, it is because of the mercy of God. And he should be acknowledged and thanked for being the source of the healing. In fact, when, I, when, when we do the anointing, um, I, I often explain to the person that we are anointing is that when we pray for healing, God always answers that prayer in a positive way. Sometimes he chooses to heal right away, and he can do that. Sometimes he chooses to heal over time, heal over time again, with, through doctors and that kind of thing. Sometimes he may choose to wait until that morning of the resurrection. When you rise up with a new body and that cancer is gone or whatever the case may be, you will, the healing took place. 
He always answers in the positive way. The healing takes place. He heals all your diseases. And so that's benefit number two. You should not forget the Lord's benefits. Here's the third one, verse four. Who redeems your life from destruction. Huh? Don't forget the benefits. We've already seen he forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. Now he redeems your life from destruction. Now this word redeem, of course, when we think about the word redeem, we automatically think of Jesus. Jesus uh, uh, purchased us with his blood on the cross. We have been saved by Jesus. We have been redeemed. He is our redeemer. Amen? We often think like that. But notice it is he, he redeems us from destruction. There's a deeper meaning to this word redeem, the Hebrew ga'al, which means to function as a kinsman. Well, you ask, what is a kinsman, pastor? Well, a kinsman is a blood relative. So right off the bat, we should thank God. Part of the benefits of, of, of knowing God is that God does not treat us as strangers. We are part of his family. He is our blood relative. Oh, boy, I tell you what. There's no, closer, no, there's, no, there's no greater connection with a person of influence than our God. He is our blood relative, right? He doesn't consider us as strangers. But a, a, a kinsman redeemer in the Bible is, was a male relative who helped a weaker relative who was in need or was in danger. And this person often avenged uh, his, his blood relative in the case where there was a murder, uh, be a manslaughter. Uh, this person would deliver, rescue, and in many cases, redeem property. If a relative ran, ran into debt, a kinsman redeemer will bail him out. Kinsman redeemer. That's what redeem. God. Do you have somebody in your life like that? Somebody that, you know, when you get into trouble, that person, you know that person's going to be there for you. Sort of a safety net. You know? You have that person? Like, it's, it's good to have a person like that, right? You get into trouble, they bail you out. So, I suppose... That, that is the role of us parents, right? You know, we want our children to grow up and to stand on their own two feet, right? But they, 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 it's important that they know that when, when, if and when they need us, they will be there. We will be there for you to be that safety net. We will bail you out, right? That's, but, you know, the fact of the matter is that's the role that God has occupied in our lives every day. You get into trouble, God will bail you out. He is there to bail you out. But again, notice... David says, who redeems your life from destruction, you know, we can apply that theologically. We know that because Jesus purchased us with his, his blood, we will not die that second death. Therefore, he has redeemed us from destruction. But I think that there's more, we can apply that in a more practical way to our lives. Have you ever thought about the times that God has saved you from being injured or perhaps from being killed? Can you think of times when God has done that in your life? You know, last week we had uh, Jacob um, shared his testimony, uh, what happened to him two years ago, right? That, that accident, uh, you saw the picture of the van, remember? Those who were here last week, you know, he, he should have been killed, but he walked away without a scratch. God saved his life. He, he redeemed his life from destruction. Yeah. Uh, um, I can think of uh, a number of times. Um, Driving through a, a, a city like Philadelphia, lights and sirens through traffic, it's very fun. It's much fun, but it's very dangerous. And I can remember at least twice when, when I knew I was going to crash, and somehow God went like this. And I ran right through it, and I, you know, not a scratch. 
I'm, I've almost drowned twice in my life. And God, at the, at, in the, at the last second, he sends somebody and, and, and gave me that little push. Sometimes all we need is a push. And I was saved. More recently, this was about a little over a month, a month ago. Ariana's here. We're thankful that our daughter's here from visiting us from Ohio. Um, but a, a little over a month ago, we went to see her. We went to visit with her. And um, th- that night, we, we were driving. It was one of those... Uh, you know when it rains and it's really misty, you know those those are that's usually very annoying. Um, it was so it's nighttime, it's raining like that, it's misty, um, and while we're in, driving through Kentucky, we see signs that say uh, expect traffic ahead because there's construction. So all right, we're going to get traffic. So when we're we're on I-71 North, almost out of Kentucky into Ohio, we finally hit the construction and bumper to bumper traffic. We were at a complete stop. Our, our vehicle is the last car in that line. Now, now this is uh, sort of like a downhill at this point, and it's around a curve. We're the last car in that, in that line. They're at a complete stop. And then I suddenly look in my rearview mirror, and I see lights coming. And these lights are coming pretty fast. I realize that these lights come from an 18-wheeler. And the 18-wheeler is coming pretty fast, and it's not stopping. He must have been distracted, you know, didn't see the traffic. And of course, it's around a curve, so that added insult to injury. And as he's coming, I mean, Lucy obviously is not seeing none of this because I, I'm watching it through the rearview mirror. At some point, I realize he is not going to stop, or at least he's not going to have time to stop. He is going to hit us. All I could do is, I, I said to Lucy, oh my goodness, and I tried to s- sort of go to the right to see if I can get into the lane, uh, uh, the right side lane, and there's an 18-wheeler coming on that side. I couldn't go anywhere. There's a car in front of us, and I was seeing the lights over on us. There was no question about it. This truck is going to hit us. Had he hit us, he would have killed us. There's no question about it. I wouldn't be here today. And as I, and, and obviously he realized at, at some point that, that there was cars there, so he slams on his brakes, but it was too late. It was too late for him to stop without hitting us. And then suddenly, as I look to my left, I see the entire truck on the side of the road. Okay, now it, it's, it's not turned over, it's not sideways, it's straight on the side of the road. So the, tra- the traffic picks up, we, we go on our way. And now, now, now I'm thinking about this because I saw the whole thing like a movie in our rear, rear view mirror. What happened here? I, I cannot explain it because I knew he was going to hit us. There's no physical explanation of why that truck didn't hit us. So the only thing I can think of as I analyze what happened is that before the truck hit our car, God or one of his angels went like this. And he must have done it with both hands because, again, it's not like the truck was sideways or turned over. He went like this. The whole thing was on his side, on the side of the road. The Lord redeems your life from destruction. I'll tell you what, he does that continuously. He rescues us from danger, accidents, and, and at times even from death. And, you know, there are things that you, you may remember right now, but how about the times you don't know anything about? 
times that God has saved your life and you don't know, you went around your merry way of living your life and he just saved your life, you don't even know about it. When we get to heaven, he'll be able to to show us and tell us, listen, this is what I did for you that day, you don't even know about it. Praise the Lord. That's benefit number three. Fourth benefit, also in verse four, he crowns, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. This word crown, the Hebrew atar, uh, is, is also translated to surround, like God surrounds us. And there's several places in the Bible where it's translated as surround. Uh, 1 Samuel 23, 26, for example, says, So David made haste to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. So this word encircling is the same word, atar, is translated as crown or surround. God surrounds us. With his loving kindness. Uh, uh, Author Max Lucado puts it this way. God surrounds us like the Pacific surrounds an ocean floor pebble. In other words, he is everywhere. God is above, God is below, he's in all sides. His loving kindness surrounds us. His compassion surrounds us. He draws us with his loving kindness. In fact, uh, Jeremiah 31.3 The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. He surrounds us with loving kindness and compassion. And the fifth benefit that we ought not to forget, verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things. He satisfies your mouth with what? With good things. The best things. Um, uh, we've often talked about the fact that God uh, has created us with a yearning for him, with a void, as it were, and that void is only meant to be filled by God. But the problem is that we try to fill that void with everything else, and we're never satisfied. Have you ever um, ate something that you didn't like, but you ate it anyway, maybe you had to eat it? I remember, I mean... (laughs) I saw somebody raise their hand over there. Yeah, I, you probably think, I, I think of a number of times, but one, rec- one that happened a few years ago, we were invited, Lucy and I, to, uh, to dinner at a family's house, friends, and, um, and when we get there, the, the entree, the main entree was lentil soup. How many of you like lentil soup? Oh, look at all, everybody likes lentil I feel so, so ashamed about what I'm about to say, because I hate lentil soup. I can't stand lentils. No, you, you do too, Mary. How was that? Well, maybe, I don't know. I'm not going to go there for the sake of my friends. I just can't stand lentils. But, you know, you got to be gracious. They invited you to dinner. So, so there is my bowl. And I'm, all right, let me have dinner. So, you know, you, you know you're not going to like it. Thankfully, it was soup. So I would take the spoon and I would sort of put it all in the back of my, my mouth. Wouldn't even chew it. Just you swallow the whole thing. The whole bowl was gone. I swallowed it that way. But because you don't, you don't like it, you still feel hungry. It didn't satisfy you. So when I, when I went home, I had to have something to eat. Even though I f- finished the entire bowl of lentil soup, it just didn't satisfy me, right? Well, it, that's the way it works when, when we try to fill our, our yearning for God with something else. It never satisfies. Only God can satisfy our yearning hearts. You know... Again, the opposite would be true. It's like eating 
um, something that you really, really like, right? When you, when you really like your favorite meal, you, you put it in your mouth and you take your time and you savor it. Maybe you guys did that this week with the Thanksgiving you know, meal, right? You savor it, oh, it's so good, and it fills you. It's like putting in your mouth dove chocolate, Kayla. Dove chocolate. When you put dove chocolate in your mouth, oh, it satisfies you tremendously. Hint, hint. It satisfies you. Yes. <laughs> Mary, Mary got the hint. The truth is that only God can satisfy our longing hearts. And notice, he does not withhold any good thing from us. If there's, he doesn't withhold any good thing from us. Again, 84, uh, Psalm 84, 11, I told you about this earlier. For the Lord our God is our sun and our shield. The Lord will give grace and glory no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. He doesn't keep anything good from you. You are his child. And so the result this, of, of, of not forgetting these benefits, the benefits, again, God forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. He surrounds us with loving kindness. He, he, he keeps our life from, uh, uh, saves our life from protection, he dis, from destruction. He protects us. And, and, of course, he satisfies us with good things. That leads to the result, which really is a benefit too. Your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's what happens. The eagle, of course, is, um, is, has a reputation for a long life and superior strength. Now, that doesn't mean that the eagle will always stay strong and you know, healthy. I mean, eventually he's going to get old and die, right? But what David's saying here is that the person who dwells in God, thanksgiving, and not forgetting all the benefits, lives a continuous revival. And goes from strength to strength, like the eagle that goes from height to the next. In fact, the, 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 um, the illustration of an eagle is repeated as in, in Isaiah. It says, Isaiah 40, verse 31, And those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with eagle, of wings like eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. And that's the benefits of God. Don't forget the benefits. Don't forget the benefits. In his book, um, Happiness is a Serious Problem, uh, Dennis Prager says that there is a secret to happiness. You want to know what the secret to happiness is? It's gratitude. Secret to happiness? Gratitude. All happy people, he says, are grateful. And ungrateful people cannot be happy. We tend to think that it is being unhappy that leads people to complain. But it is truer to say that it is complaining that leads people to becoming unhappy. Become grateful, and you will become a happier person. So you want to be a happier person? Be grateful. Be grateful. Now, the, the young lady that I quoted at the beginning, you know, she's sharing her, her sort of a lesson she learned about how ungrateful she was. She continues in saying, in my state of ingratitude, I've seen its impact in my life. People pull away from me. Life sucks a lot more. I have no clarity. I have no focus. I have no direction. I am depressed. I feel sick way more than I used to. And this has caused me to reflect on the times that I've been truly grateful in my life. And this is what happened, she says. I attracted the right people in my life. People offered to help me. I had an increase in opportunities. I had clarity, focus, direction. I was happy, which made me smile more, and people are attracted to happy people. 
I felt healthy, she says. And my energy level increased, which caused me to be more productive. And, and as a result of my reflections, she says, I learned I have a choice to be grateful or ungrateful. This choice does not depend on what is currently happening in your life. It is a choice we make regardless of my situation. Let me say that again, right? The choice of being grateful. It does not depend upon what's happening in your life. Because if you're always meditating on the bad things that are happening in your life, oh, woe is me, you're never going to be grateful. It is a choice you make regardless of the situation. No matter what you're going through, be thankful. And so as the words of Paul, give thanks to God on all things. Not some things, but all things. Friends, may we be able to say with David, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You want to enjoy those benefits? Remember, give God the glory and acknowledge him for these benefits. You know why? Because the fact is, God is good. Has God been good to your life? That's what it's all about. Because he's been good, we ought to thank him. And so as we, as we end today, I want to share this song with you. Um, this is a song that I've shared with you before, but um, it seemed appropriate for um, our topic today. And it's titled, God's Been Good. Lately I've been looking back along this winding road to the old familiar markers of the mercies I have known. I know it may sound simple, but it's more than a cliché. There's no better way to tell you than to say God's been good in my life I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night and though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could. Because through it all, God's been good. Times replay and I can see that I've cried some bitter tears, but I felt his arms around me as I faced my greatest fears. You see, I've had more gains than losses, and I've known more joy than hurt. As his grace rolled down upon me, undeserved, for God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. 
And though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could. Cause through it all, God's been good. For God has been my Father, my Savior and my friend. His love was my beginning. And his love will be my end. I could spend forever trying to tell you everything he is. But the best way that I can say it is this. God's been good. In my life, I feel so blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could, cause through it been good. Will you stand with me as we have our closing prayer? Oh, Father God, we thank you so much for being good to us. We realize that we don't deserve anything from you. In your word, you say that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because of that, all we deserve is death. Perhaps abandonment from you, but you also say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. We're so thankful for your grace. You know, this week, as, as, as this country has celebrated thanksgiving and even a, a holiday like that can become secular in many ways but it's really all about you about your faithfulness toward us that we have everything that we need and, and indeed some of the things we want as well because you've kept your promise that you will meet our needs according to your riches and glory Oh, Father, you know, it's indeed true that we forget. That oftentimes we forget your blessings, that we forget the benefits of serving a God like you. Oh, Father, through your Spirit, remind us every day. May we always acknowledge you as the provider of everything we have and everything we need. And above all, the provider of the eternal life that we can have, that we are sure to have, because in your love for us, you gave Jesus. We thank you so much for that. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you're ever in the Nashville area, come and visit us at the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're located at 2800 Blair Boulevard in Nashville, Tennessee. You may also visit us at nfsda.org.